This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Great to be with you, as always. We're going to do a little stock market work and some economic work. We've got heavy hitters today. By the way, it was a weird, wild week. On again, off again. Let's see, Thursday, the market was down 800 points. And then uh, President Biden announced his uh, so-called swift and severe sanctions, which were neither swift nor severe. So the market came all the way back. I think it finished up 100. I'm using the Dow. And then uh, yesterday, up 800 points, 835 points. So that's pretty cool. Stocks for the long run is what I think about days like that. Stocks for the long run. You can't outguess the stock market. There is no way. Anyway, we got two geniuses here. The great Joe Lavornia who is former chief economist at the White House National Economic Council. And just for the heck of it now, he's working as chief economist at Natixis Bank because he's, you know, he's got to do something until he goes back into power. And Ken Paul Carey, managing director at Case Capital Advisors and chief market strategist at Slate Stone Wealth. Gentlemen, welcome back. Kenny Paul Carey, I've got to start with you. Wild and woolly... I mean, the question is, what does it mean? Where is it going? But, you know, in terms of our listeners, how, how, they're not professionals like you. How do they play this, right? This is, you know, how do you, what the hell do you do? You're sitting around. I mean, it's, think of it this way. You're sitting around uh, our show. Let me go back to the Fox Business Show, Cudlow. So on Thursday, so the market's down 800 points. Uh, president comes on and gives his shtick on sanctions or the lack thereof. And we're going on the air. The market's coming all the way back, all the way back, and winds up in the green. And then yesterday, of course, it exploded. So what is that? how does a person deal with that? So listen, Larry, thanks for having me on the show again. But the, the, the average person needs to really eliminate the noise, right? And I understand how frightful it can get those couple of days that we saw the market just completely fall out of bed when when uh, when Putin made the first move. But uh, in the long term, what we found out is that geopolitical issues like this make create all kinds of short term chaos and noise and distress and all that. But then the markets settle in. And then you saw, you know, first of all, we were way oversold. So we were due for that snapback rally anyway. But then what happens is the markets will adjust to what the geopolitical situation is. And so the worst thing you can do is make an emotional decision to sell stock exactly when you think the world is falling apart, because you're usually wrong. It's always at the bottom. When you do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we saw that. Now, look, that doesn't mean there's not going to be volatility ahead. I'm sure there is going to be because this situation is still unfolding as we speak. So I would expect and I would suggest to people that you just got to be prepared, right? If you want to stay in the market, and you should, um, 
then you just need to be prepared. But you said it right at the top of the line. You know, the, the stocks for the long term is where you should be focusing. Big names like I'm in, you know, this year I'm really, really talking up the consumer staples, the financials, the energy, the big name Americana dividend payers, mega cap names are, are places where you're going to find certainly safety um, and, and growth as well. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice. Um, I really think that's good advice. The best way to prepare for these things is, you know, have a bottle of Excedrin near you. Right. right? I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, it's just, right. you're right. You can't panic about these things. And I do think stocks for the long run. Joe Lavornia, uh, on the interest rate side, there wasn't near as much movement. I mean, I'm looking, Joe, the 10-year finishes of 196. So, you know, you're still hovering around 2%. Um Two years, 157. The five years, 187. You know, it's interesting, Joe. One point here, the five-year tips break evens. The inflation indicator jumped up 17 basis points to 3.11, 311. What do you make of that, Mr. LaBornia? Larry, I make it uh, as a function of what's happened with oil. Having, you know, It was only around $60 a barrel in Q4 and is up now around 100. So it's a... It's an oil price story. If you look at the at the five year forward, it swaps. Can we, right, fellas, that's can, been very well contained. Can we and figure the, out that somebody's pushing papers or something? Yeah, that's that's not me. Whatever it is, uh, maybe Kenny can calm down the noise. Okay, go ahead, Joe. So, 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 Larry, the uh, basically, if you look at market expectations, other than the five year break even, but the five year five year forward, or the ten year rate, or the long term. Uh, Michigan, even the longer-term New York. I mean, inflation expectations are very well contained. It's very interesting to me that we cannot sustainably break 2% on the 10-year, despite having priced essentially nine Fed rate hikes between now and next year, elevated inflation. And what the market's telling me, Larry, is the slope of the curve, where the curve is pricing a year or two from now, is you have a very fragile economy, uh, trend productivity growth because of the regulatory backdrop, the potential for tax hikes has depressed the economy's potential. The real equilibrium interest rate is very low, which means that in real terms, I don't see the funds rate ever getting above zero, at least given the current policy mix. And that's what the bond market is suggesting to me. If rates were to rise higher, that would be unambiguously negative for stocks the bulk of which have rallied from March of 2020 on earnings expansion. But if the U.S. economy isn't as strong as people think it is, and I don't believe it's very strong at all because of the current policy mix and what's happening, then we're going to see rates go lower from here. That might buttress stocks, but my fear, Larry, is we haven't seen the lows yet in equities. I should almost think we're in a bear market. Wait, can I jump in there one second and ask two questions? A, I agree with Joe in the sense that I think there's more downside. But, Joe, are you suggesting that after all this that the Fed is not going to hike three, four, five, six times? Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, oh, I'm not suggesting it, Kenny. I'm of the view the Fed will be lucky if they can get off more than two or three hikes. They waited right. way too long to raise rates. Well, We've got financial okay, instability. And, right. um, and we're seeing what people aren't talking about and they should be talking about is what's happening in the credit markets. High yield and high-grade credit are trading terribly. And that is a very good leading indicator of what's going to happen with equities. So Bullard, Daly, and Loretta Messer, as as aggressive as they are talking, you think is just just noise? 
Yes, it's noise. They're reading from the old hymn book. Actually, Mary Daly's been pretty reasonable. Uh, I think right. John Williams at New York has as well. They want to be data dependent, see how the data evolve. Jim Bullard, right. I think, is angling for a Fed chair at some point by being overly hawkish, uh, just <laughs> right, my opinion. Right. But, yes, I, I think no, right. it's, it's noise. I actually wanted him to be Fed chair. I really, I think Bullard make a great fit. You know, his former advisor is uh, is Waller, who I put on the board. Uh, but Joe, you're you're so let me. You're not worried about inflation, is that the deal, Joe Lavorne? No, I'm I'm worried about it, Larry. I'm definitely worried about it. It's certainly a problem. Our friend Kevin Hassett had a great call on inflation when virtually everybody had it wrong. I am worried about inflation. I'm just more worried on growth. Inflation will come down. There'll be time for the Fed to be very aggressive. But I do look at market price signals. And when I see the flattening of the yield curve, I see the dollar remain relatively strong. I look at equities and I see how cyclicals are trading. I look at retail, autos. Those things are down by significant double-digit amounts. There is inflation. It will get better. I'm more worried about the growth story. And also, I would much rather the Fed got out of the capital allocation business Got rid of the mortgages sooner, let mm. the balance sheet unwind, mm. let the yield curve steepen, and then tighten. Follow the forwards higher that way. Because the market's saying right now, if they do what they're telling us they're going to do on tightening, we're going to have a very weak economy by early next year. You know, right. Kenny, one market price indicator is commodities, which are booming. Right. I mean, right. I, I look at the Bloomberg index. I look at the CRB indexes. Commodities are still booming. Right. And, I mean, and as, certainly after last week, they're booming even more right after what happened. Wheat, corn, you look at them all right across the board. Gold, silver, palladium, they're all up. Oil, certainly all up. Uh, and I think that plays right into the I'm on the other side of Joe's, of Joe's uh, yeah. argument. Uh, I actually think we're going to see inflation and I actually think it's going to get hotter as we move into the summertime. I don't think we're going to see a, a backing off or, a, or a, you know, a cooling off of inflation at all, at least not not until if we see it at all. I don't think it's coming until the very end of 2022. Well, you look at the numbers. So we got the um, the personal income report, which yep. so real consumer spending had a, had a good jump. One and a half percent real PCE that uh, corroborates with the retail sales number, but the PCE deflator was up six tenths. That thing's PCE deflator, which the Fed watches, is six point nine percent annually over the past right. three months. The core is six point two percent annually. Uh, those are pretty big numbers, gentlemen. They're pretty big numbers, and uh, coming down the pipe, the import prices. We're up 11 percent in January. The producer prices were up 10 percent in January. I don't know, Joe. I I think well, you're... Larry, here's, but the thing yeah. is, the Fed can't really do anything on the demand side. What we should be focused on is the supply side. We're way too overly regulated. A big driver of inflation has been energy. It's obviously gotten worse given the situation in Europe. We I know I'm speaking, preaching to the choir about opening up Keystone being energy independent, but also the regulatory state, which you mentioned many, many times in your exact, you and Steve Forbes have been pounding this. These are all real important developments. And if mm-hmm. you want to get rid of inflation, the best way to do it, the rising tide does lift all boats, is to increase aggregate supply. That, that, that means getting more capital into the economy, getting more workers into the economy. And you do that 
by by we should be working on adjusting NEPA laws and we should be getting tax rates lower to incentivize people to come back into the workforce. We're doing all the wrong things. And even by the administration's own estimates, they don't have GDP growing more than 2% at any point over the next five, 10 years. And that to me should be the focus. The Fed will do a good job killing demand, but they'll also kill the economy in the process. Well, I love the supply side. I think you're exactly right on we should be deregulating. They're not. And we should be making the Trump tax cuts permanent, and they want to end the Trump tax cuts. So you're right about that. Supply is lagging. Uh, I got to take a quick break. I'd like both of you, please stick around. We got much, much more to do because I want to know about the monetary inflation. I've got Ed Hyman and uh, Ed Yardeni and others um, talking about the rise in uh, M2, which is continuing way, way, way above trend. So that's a question. Anyway, we're talking to Joe Lavornia and we're talking to Ken Polcari. I'm Larry Kudlow, and we'll be right back. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking stocks in the economy with Joe Lavornia, chief economist at Natixis Bank former chief economist at the White House National Economic Council, and Kenny Polcari, managing director at Case Capital Advisors and chief market strategist at Slatestone. Well, gentlemen, you know, there's sort of a conundrum here in a sense. Um, on the one hand, historically, high oil prices lead to recession. Now, I don't know if oil prices are high enough to get us to a recession. They sure jumped up a lot in the last quarter. But there's that. And then the other point of view, um, M2 growth continues at a rapid pace. So as a trend line going back 20, 25 years, uh, say you grow M2 at 6% trend growth, which is not inflationary, you're so far above that now. You're like $5 trillion above that. And some people are saying we have a huge monetary Inflation. So let's tackle this stuff. Ken Polcari, are oil prices high enough to cause a recession, or does M2 play a role in this, or what? Well, I think they both play a role, but I do think that oil prices are going to really start to impact um, uh, what happens in the economy. And, you know, fully suspect that oil is going to trade up through 100 and, you know, $125 a barrel. Uh, and I think that's going to, anything above 100, I think, is really going to start to impact what the economy is. M2 for sure. Uh, and we could talk about that all day long about how way above trend it is and the problems that that's causing. But I think it's a combination of both for sure. Yeah, I mean, Joe Lavoie, you don't put much stock in M2. That's sort of a bad pun. Um, the, tell me about M2 and tell me about oil prices. I mean, they're like they're they're conflicting here. Yeah. The um, so I, to just to expand on Kenny's point, uh, oil very well looks sounds seems like it might go higher given the potential at least in the short term some of the capacity constraints. But we would need oil about two hundred two twenty to be akin to where we were back in 08 when West Texas got to 145 and certainly helped break the economy. So you're correct, oil does tend to spike before recessions, but also because the Fed's tightening rates in response to those high oil prices, so there's probably some co-integration there. But oil's not yet at the point where you have to really worry about it per se. On the, on the M2 side, I do think there's some use in it. I don't think there's a tremendous amount of use, mainly because money demand 
isn't stable, the velocity of money's falling. And also, while M2 historically worked, that was pretty much, Larry, prior to the late, not, late 80s, early 90s. What constitutes money has totally changed, and people should focus instead on liquidity. So even though I, I love Ed and Ed, um, they do great work, uh, you need to look at liquidity. And liquidity certainly is drying up. You see it in how markets are trading with bid offer spreads in treasuries. You're seeing it in equities. As I mentioned earlier, you're seeing it in credit spreads. So liquidity conditions are getting worse, and that's before the Fed's even tightened. And we may have a situation where as the yield curve continues to flatten, liquidity gets worse. M2 may actually go up even more because it's perceived as a store of value, people taking their money out of the market, and they're putting it into you know, bank accounts that are insured. But generally speaking, most of the time, most of the time, I'd ignore M2. Um, go ahead, Kenny. I would argue one point um, – uh, Joe, when you say that you know lack of liquidity may be in stocks, I don't think there's so much a lack of liquidity. I think it's much more anxiety and nervousness, and and on the way down, buyers and the technology, the algos, they just pull back, leaving a void in prices, which then appears as if it's lack of liquidity. But all those buyers have just moved significantly lower, testing out the the level of angst of the sellers, and look what happens. That's where we see these big swings down 800, down a thousand, and then it works the other way. Look what happened yesterday as the as people got more comfortable. The the sell side algos recognize that they withdraw the the, uh, the liquidity in line. They put offers higher up, and therefore, then the market whips the other way. Hmm. I don't necessarily think it's people leaving the market at all. I think it's the oh way no, the not leaving, Kenny. No, but 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 what you highlight, and you're exactly spot on. But what we've saw the last couple of days, in which Larry mentioned at the outset, the big swing in the market and the, and the moves in the Nasdaq have been even bigger. Those have right. almost always happened in bear markets, right. and that's a concern. So, Joe, I agree. Joe, you th you think we're in a bear market or entering a bear market in stocks? We, we very well could be entering a bear. If the Fed, Larry, moves as much as some of these large bold bulge bracket banks are predicting, mm -hmm. some of which have never been right on their forecast, <laughs> then yes, we'll be in a bear market. Ken Paul Carey, 10 seconds. You think we're in a bear market? I, I think there's certainly parts of the market. I do think we are going to test the bear market and the S&P before this is over. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Joe Lavornia, Ken Polcari, great stuff. I'm Kudlow. Money and Politics, up next with Liz Peek and Steve Moore.